This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 125, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, December the 4th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 125, the Comic Reviews episode for the comics that were released on Wednesday, December the 4th, and I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Thank you for joining us at Comic Shenanigans. Uh, this is our weekly reviews episode where we look at some of the comics that came out this previous week. Uh, there are some interesting highlights that came out this past week, although it's interesting. There was a lot of comics that actually came out, but relatively little that I can honestly say that I was excited about. Uh, reading, I was looking at the list, and I was like, "Well, some of these books are really good, or could be good." But then, when I actually went through it, I was I was surprised by uh, of the choices I made. I think I read about ten or eleven comics for the show, and I was surprised by the amount that I was actually interested in, uh, or at least uh, how disappointing some of the comics this week actually were. Anyways, let's jump right into it. First up this week is uh, Action Comics number twenty six. Um, I ha- I don't know if I've been reading a lot of action comics uh, for the most part. I obviously follow off the bandwagon a little bit. I'm, when Morrison ended his run, I read, the, I think, the three issues by Tony S. Daniel and, uh, God, now I forget his name, Andy Diggle, I think, who's writing it. And then there was a few issues, I think, that were done by Lobdell, and I kind of fell off of it. Anyways, I didn't realize, I guess, that Greg Pak is writing it now with Aaron Cooter on artwork. Um, so I, don't, I hadn't really read the previous issue I didn't know that Lionel Lang was back in the book. This Cooter guy, I didn't realize his artwork kind of reminded me a little bit of Art Adams in, the, in some of the panel work. Um, it's kind of an odd issue, but more or less a good one. Um, although, again, the artwork wasn't quite to my taste, and it's a little... What's the word? It, it just kind of feels unimportant. Um, because you're you're basically you have Superman show up to save Lana Lang, and then he ends up fighting this like monster that reminds him of like an animal, um, and he the animal is secret is really like a an experimented on human, uh, not human, but creature of some kind. Uh, there's a lot of, it, I think the problem with this is that we get a, a version of Superman we don't usually get to see is seeing more of the Clark side in the New Fifty Two that hasn't always been the, the case, especially not seeing more of Lana Lang and how she interacts with his past and again his past we don't haven't seen as much of so it's a little uh interesting how they want to go about this and kind of showing their relationship because the Lana Lang relationship is obviously an important one to Superman although we haven't seen it be as important in the new 52 and the idea of him kind of again this is the problem with the new 52 and someone not a problem so much as um a very big difference is that I'm used to a Superman who is much more mature and this they're playing him as a younger Superman and I give them credit for sticking with it and making him seem like this younger Superman kind of more like the Man of Steel version of Superman who's kind of still figuring out his way um so having a Superman who's talking about you know the idea that he's almost trying to impress or show off for Lana Lang is odd to see uh because that's just not how I view the character ever acting um which is which is just a weird way of looking at him. Um, I give the issue a six out of ten. Uh, it's very much a, it's a standalone. I didn't really like the artwork. The story is okay, but it's not great. And if you missed the issue, I don't think you'd notice. Uh, next up is Amazing X Men number two. Um, this was a disappointment because the last issue I thought was really really strong, a fantastic debut, and this issue felt like it didn't. It just took a long time to get going. Um, I think the artwork is still great by Ed McGinnis. Um, I just thought the story very forgettable. So this is the quest for Nightcrawler, which is really cool. Um, 
in theory. The actual um, way that the story is kind of full unfolding has not quite been worth... The first issue was really strong. It was a good day, solid debut. The second issue is a little disappointing. Um, it's just not quite what I expected. Uh, even the artwork, as much as it's good, is not as great as it was in the first issue. Uh, when you start, you have Iceman, Firestar, and Storm kind of having showed up in basically, uh, I believe what is basically hell. Okay. And um, I just found the interaction... Like, Bobby, I'm just tired of Bobby being Bobby. Uh, there was a time, very brief time in the mid-90s where he was kind of growing up a little and I feel like I missed that version of the character because he's oh, Iceman's a character who uh, just like Human Torch is constantly regressed to just being the, the guy on the team who's making the jokes, the stupid jokes too and he's not really being that mature and always being very immature and that's exactly the version of Bobby we get here and then Firestar doesn't feel like Firestar either Although I did like that there was at least one uh, instance where she mentions being on the Avengers, which was nice. But, like, I don't even like her costume because it's very... It makes her seem younger than she is. I really miss the new Warriors outfit, which I think is very 90s, but such an awesome costume. Partially because I remember reading it during the Maximum Maximum Carnage event, uh, and I loved it. Um, So I wish she was still wearing that. So you have, you know, these armies and these Banffs and the Storm and... Her kind of motley crew of Iceman and Firestar getting involved in this battle, and then meanwhile, uh, elsewhere, uh, these pirates are going up against North Star and I guess Wolverines. There, I think I did like the North Star sequences. I thought they were pretty cool. Uh, seeing him with a sword as well actually really worked for me. Um, uh, seeing them kind of going up against these otherworldly pirates is. It was fun for a few pages, but it just felt like it kept going, and we're not really getting a lot of plot progression. We're just seeing, you know, kind of mindless fighting, and we're getting uh, slow glimpses that maybe they realize that maybe something's going on, and maybe Nightcrawler is involved. Uh, but I mean, we kind of got that with the last issue in the last panel, with him being like, you know, fuzzy elf or blue elf or something like that. So it just feels like um, the whole issue is just putting off the inevitable, putting off the reunion of a Nightcrawler with his proper team, even putting off Azazel really being involved, putting off any more revelations with regards to who the Bamps really are. And that just is disappointing that we're not getting more of a, of a kind of progression again. I keep saying progression, but it's true. I just I want more forward momentum, and I feel like we just kind of stall a lot here. Um, and again, as much as I like the artwork by McGinnis, at times it's not his most solid of work. Um, sometimes it's a little inconsistent, the characters are a little tiny, but that last panel page of the Bamps, the adorable Bamps, and Nightcrawler, and it's such a subtle... And McGinnis, I didn't realize how much he was desi- he was born to illustrate Nightcrawler. His Nightcrawler looks fantastic. A little bulky, but um, there's just this very simple line work, and then the way that the colors are done... Uh, fantastic, and I cannot wait to see what happens next, because we're actually going to be able to see Nightcrawler doing things, which is really what everyone wants to see from here. Anyways, it's interesting. Um, and I, Overall, though, I did give it a 6 out of 10, just because of the issues I've mentioned. Uh, next up is Batman Superman number 6. Oh, this was terrible. I'm giving it a 4, and I'm pretty sure I'm giving it too much. Uh, I read this issue. I don't think I've read any issues since I think maybe issue 1. So I didn't really know what was going on in this book. This is absolutely terrible. I mean, I got to the first page, and I'm like, okay, Batman, Superman, you got Mongol, that's pretty cool. 
written by Grant Park, who also wrote the Action Comics issue. It's artwork by Brett Booth, who's not my favorite. Okay, this could be interesting. And it's so stupid. Um, from the get-go, you have this idea that, I guess, Jimmy Olsen, this other two guys, are the game testers, and they think that they're just testing out a video game. I don't know. This is just stupid. Like, you start off with Mongol having, I guess, punched right clean through Batman's chest. None of this makes sense, how Batman's even going to survive or be alive after this issue. Like, it's really, really stupid. Um, it looks like, I guess, this is supposed to be involved in, like, a Toy Man storyline in some way, but I don't know how Mongol's here. I just feel like, ugh, this is awful. Uh, and having Jimmy and the other guy other game testers are such frustrating characters i just couldn't wait for them to just get the hell off the page having mongol go up against superman is potentially cool but again not as cool in the new 52 as i mentioned in my last episode uh episode 124 talking about the new 52 having stripped away a lot of superman's kind of his his entire history means the characters like mongol mean a lot less also these ridiculous sprites that are supposed to represent game avatars are really dumb like how are they are they supposed to be actual like for a while i thought they were not supposed to really be there and they're supposed to represent like these voices that were being heard but instead it looks like they're actually visually there which is really stupid superman uh sorry i'm trying to recap the issue but it's really dumb superman comes to the rescue to say batman who just had his his middle of his chest punched out by mongol he knocks mongol out of there he tries to save batman realizes batman is dead uh you have these ridiculous uh, characters like Jimmy Olsen there and they resurrect Batman through some sort of I don't know nanotech and it's a lot of video game jargon bullshit it's just it this is terrible uh Batman's like alive he doesn't know how he's even alive and then I guess these gamers are manipulating Batman or utilizing him so he starts fighting against Superman uh, Superman again starts acting the way he tries to address Jimmy felt like something that Maybe the pre-New 52 Superman would be able to say with Gravitas instead of this immature younger Superman, which doesn't really work. Um, it's This is just really atrocious. Uh, Superman trying to like def- save Batman, Batman kind of doing his own thing because he's being manipulated by these these gamers. Mongol and Superman keep on fighting. Uh, it looks like the Toy Master MMO worldwide is opened up so that everyone kind of has, has access to, I guess, Batman. Um, and taking over him as a character, which is dumb. Batman's fighting Superman, as well as Superman fighting Mongol, and then the last page, it, or no, not the last page, but right at the end, you have Superman and Batman really unloading against each other, and I guess Mongol is somehow, you know, kind of doing this and manipulating this this this, this ridiculous thing um, that's creating this, you know, this... Uh, video game that's taking over these characters this is dumb this is badly written i'm I'm surprised that this is by greg pock who's a writer who's so much better than this um the artwork by brett booth is definitely not to my taste Uh, i gave this a a four out of ten and i'm pretty sure i'm being too charitable and too nice uh it's just not good i I just i can't understand why this is this is even being made um why is this issue even happening like this is just this is awful uh, it's not a good book. It's really dumb story. The artwork isn't very good either. But in this one instance, I think the artwork by Brett Booth is not the main problem. The main problem is a really atrocious script by Greg Pak, which just doesn't make a lot of sense. And I, and I guess maybe he's trying to be a little bit meta about the whole video game culture. But instead, it just seems dumb. 
Uh, I gave it a 4 out of 10, as I said, and I'm pretty sure I was being a little bit too generous with my rating there. Uh, I think it probably deserves a lot lower than that. This was not a good read at all. Anyways, let's move on to the next book, because, I mean, so far, we've had two sixes and a four, so hopefully the next book is really good, right? Next book is Detective Comics 26. I've enjoyed this book for the most part in the last few issues. Um, I've enjoyed what John Lehman's been doing. This should be a good read, right? Uh, six and a half, <laughs> so not really that good. Um, I miss Jason Fabok on artwork. Uh, that's the big thing here. I think the story was actually pretty interesting by Lehman. Uh, Aaron Lepresti on artwork, however, does not manage to sell it that well for me. Um, so you have the issue starting with these kids, and they find this, what they call the Bat Cave. And I like how one of the kids is like, well, wait, this is Batman's cave? And, like, you know, Batman's finding this for Bruce Wayne, the richest man in Gotham. Why would he hide out in the cave? Which is a great concept that you would never expect to find Batman's lair as being a cave if he's being funded by a billionaire, which is an interesting concept. Uh, instead, it's supposed to be where these mystical bats are, and they find these bones, and they get a little bit freaked out, and suddenly this woman shows up with all these crazy bats. And, anyways, they end up getting uh, basically um, left into just bones. And so you have Batman. Meeting up with Gordon uh, through his telepresence, whatever his unit is, and uh, investigating, and uh, it looks like it has to do with perhaps uh, Kirk Langstrom, uh, the Man Bat. So Batman takes to his jet, and he finds uh, the Man Bat is able to neutralize him and turn him back into Kirk Langstrom uh, with some effort, involving like a, he does, they do have a fight. Um, once he is able to kind of regress him back into Langstrom he's able to talk to him and find out that uh, Langstrom is addicted to the bat, man bat serum but is also he's trying to stop uh, his wife uh, Francine who's been recently in this book um, which is why this issue felt really earned like we're seeing a natural conclusion to an ongoing storyline she is she was trying to use a serum uh, to kind of make it a biological weapon, but she used the wrong bats, and she, she ended up using it on herself, becoming an unstable weapon. So Batman and Langstrom must team up to go up against this, uh, you know, against Francine Langstrom. Um, it's an interesting fight because Langstrom has a has a plan to take down uh, Francine. Unfortunately, uh, his he isn't unable to use it as uh, he drops his, his vial of what he thinks is the cure, but really uh, Batman had injected Man-Bat with the Francine's, the serum for Francine into Man-Bat so that it, when Langstrom turns into Man-Bat, he'll, he'll grab her and try biting her and then inject the serum into her, which is actually a nice Batman planning um, you know strategy. And then Batman is able to take out Man-Bat once uh, Francine is subdued, and then they both go prison, uh, or sorry, not prison, Arkham Asylum, uh, so it's kind of easy, an easy end of the story, but it was a nice end of the story, it was a nice kind of done in one, more or less, I mean, obviously you've had these these characters in the background in previous issues, but it was relatively simple for Batman to kind of take them out, it could have been stretched out over, you know, further issues, but I think it probably did better that it was shorter, however, now, I don't know a lot about like, apparently what's going on in the Batman mythos. Uh, I guess I'm just confused because in the last page, you have um, you know Batman getting home, and then it looks like I guess uh, Catwoman's here. I'm guessing it's Catwoman. It sure looks like Catwoman, and apparently they're partners. 
And she's saying that she could have come with him. She could have helped. I don't know how she's even at the mansion. I don't know what's going on. Alfred has this weird look in his face. I just thought it was it was a terrible end of the issue. I was just like, what the what the fuck? Um, it had nothing to do with the rest of the issue. I feel like I missed something. Whereas everything else in the issue felt like a done in one. Uh, next issue is the big twenty uh, seventh issue, which is the um, which is a, the turning point. Not turning point, but it's a big anniversary style issue because uh, Batman's first appearance being in Detective Comics twenty seven. So uh, it also starts, I believe, the Gothopia storyline. Which should be interesting. Um, overall, I mean, because of the little Presti artwork on this, I had to give it a six and a half because I just didn't enjoy his artwork. Uh, next up is Earth Two number eighteen. Uh, this is a very different book than what it was two issues ago before Jason James Robinson left the book. Uh, I am enjoying it, but I am already missing element. You can tell this isn't. You can tell this is written by the guy who wrote is writing Injustice comics, and you can tell it's not written by James Robinson. James Robinson was had a story that was very much about these new wonders, whereas those wonders are kind of uh, I don't know I forget what happened last issue, but they're either dead or or very much injured or not even around. Like where the hell did everyone go? Like I I feel like I missed something. Because I didn't think Green Lantern or Dr. Fader died. I thought they were still alive, but yet they're not in this issue at all. Because Superman has returned as an agent of Apocalypse. Uh, Tom Taylor's the new writer. Nicholas Scott's still an artwork, giving it some visual consistency. Um, it's still a good issue. It's just a very different read. Uh, it's more action-oriented. Um, it just has less of the nuance and character building that James Robinson was infusing this book in. Book with, sorry. Uh, it starts off with the kind of wreckage of, what, of Superman's attack. You have uh, Mr. Terrific, both of them, Sloan and Holt, uh, dealing with the aftermath with uh, the Sandman. And also we got Khan having been pretty da- pretty injured. Um, outside of there, you have Superman kind of hovering over. And then Flash decides he's going to take on Superman, which is probably not the smartest idea. Um, and so they have an interesting sequence that, that follows from there. Uh, beneath the Arkham compound, uh, or Arkham command, sorry, you have the new Batman facing off against, I forget her name, but this agent, um, and she's trying to free these people who are, you know, in these, uh, in these stasis tubes. Batman, I don't think we really learned that much about Batman here, but he definitely doesn't seem to necessarily be human. Uh, Lois Lane as Red Tornado takes on Batman. We get to see a little bit of Batman's strength here as well. The idea that he definitely seems to know something about Bruce, uh, which is interesting. Um, they are, Red Tornado and this agent are able to subdue Batman, but the Batman disappears because Batman's trying to uh, let loose these characters. He lets loose, I guess, Aquawoman, um, who I don't know anything about, but she's there. Uh, there's this great panel of uh, uh, Flash saying, uh, you know, I'm supposed to be the fastest man in the world, and he's just running, and then you also have Superman hot on his heels, and Superman, I guess, is able to use some blasts on him, and then uh, he grabs him by the leg, and like, see, he breaks, it looks like he breaks uh, Flash's foot, and then back at Arkham, Arkham Command, you have Holt uh, and the Sandman trying to get um, Khan out of there, and then Superman returns and says, Terrence Sloan, Michael Holt, Dark, Lord Darkseid is in need of you, which I'm wondering where that's going to go. Um, and then you have the hordes of uh, Darkseid kind of emptying out onto this earth again. Uh, then you have um, a child being released. Sorry, not a child. Uh, James Olsen 
being released uh, by Batman, and he seems to, in this world, be able to access information uh, super quick, and so all he needs is, like, you know, basically, like, a, an internet connection is able to parcel the uh, the data and the information, which is an interesting superpower, but it kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, you have all the parademons uh, in uh, Rio and Rome and Karachi, they're all kind of uh, storming Earth again. Um, and then Batman has, you know, says before he leaves, he has one more person he came for. And the guy's like, well, no, there's no way you're not, you're not going to free the Joker. And then Batman disarms this agent. And, uh, he's like, I didn't say I'd release him. And he just starts shooting the Joker in the head. Uh, so the Joker is definitely dead. And then we move on to the next issue, I guess. Um, I liked it a lot. Again, it is a very different book. It is a very different feel, but it's still an interesting story. Although it does feel very injustice-ish because you have a Batman leading a heroes or trying to build a squad to take on a Superman. There's definitely some parallels to be uh, drawn there. Although I do give credit to Tom Taylor to trying to. I'm sure he's trying to do something very different than that. But at least from the outset, it, it's going to have similarities to what I'll, what he's already written in Injustice comics. Uh, next up, we have uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number 9. I did not like this at all. The story wasn't bad by Bendis, but the main problem was the artwork by uh, Frank Avila, uh, who is a good artist, but I just didn't think he was the right artist for this book, um, for the tone of the issue. Or it, it just The whole issue felt very flat to me, uh, and it also felt like an odd placement for an issue because it's an Infinity tie-in, but Infinity has already ended a week ago. So... It's more of like almost like a flashback to something we already saw, which was more interesting in the little bits we saw in other issues than what we actually saw in this issue. Plus elements that we didn't see in any way even mentioned in the other stuff. Um, probably for good reason. So we start with uh, Gamora having abandoned the team, but then having this kind of internal monologue, this internal struggle where she wants to believe that Peter Quill was right and uh, that they weren't lying to her and then she decides to turn tail and go and rescue or go to their side uh, and then in Earth Orbit you have Star-Lord, uh, sorry An Angela and Rocket Raccoon fighting off uh, the forces of Thanos um, and they're basically trying to get into the peak to rescue Abigail Brand and, and take, back, take it back to, and also allow the Avengers to break through the defenses uh, to go back to Earth to fight against Thanos. That's basically the issue. I mean, I could go blow by blow, but that's basically what's going on here. Uh, Angela is the, kind of the, the cavalry to help the Guardians, and then Gamora is able to help them as well when she returns. Uh, I found it uh, very painful to read just because I, I, really, I really didn't like the artwork. The artwork is by an artist that I do like, but I did not like his work here. I felt it didn't fit with Bendis' tone. Um, I don't know. I, this 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 whole book is supposed to be kind of like this over-the-top cosmic action, and f it it was more of an indie sensibility, which I didn't think right. I didn't think it matched the tone of the story, basically. So I that's what I didn't really like about this issue. I maybe would have given. I'm trying to think how it even works for me. I mean, like I really like the story was probably more of like a seven or an eight, but then the artwork is more like a two or three like I really didn't like it and it's not necessarily even bad artwork I just didn't like it I didn't think it was the right fit um it just it, you know sometimes artwork fits and it doesn't fit and it sometimes it's not about it being the best artwork it's is it the best artwork for the issue and I don't think it was uh next up is Inhumanity number one I gave this an eight out of ten uh pretty solid issue um I'm not so sure how I feel about Inhumanity being the next big thing um, 
but I do think it's an interesting concept of Inhumans. The issue was a little, I don't know, I I think if I was to read it again, I might actually give it a lower score, but when I first read it, I gave it an 8 out of 10. I'd like to go work by Quit Pell. Uh, it's written by Matt Fraction, who does a fairly good job. I do like Karnak being at the center of a story, um, which is unusual and uh, not a frequent occurrence. Um, Fraction does a pretty good job of writing the story, although I think someone like Hickman probably could have nailed it better. Um, the whole idea of... Um, you know, you have the, the, the fall of Adelan over over the streets of New York, and what does this mean for the Inhuman Nation? There's all these new Inhumans that are going to be around. Uh, not everyone, a lot of Inhumans survived this, because they were all evacuated, but what, what happens now? Um, having the Avengers kind of confront Karnak was interesting as well, and I love that Karnak can, you know, can punch Hulk and change him into, well, sorry, punch Bruce Banner and, and, and instantly make him into the Hulk, uh, I do like I, I just like Karnak as a character so having him easily dispatched you know Black Widow uh, even Iron Man uh, and disrupting his armor and then the only one who kind of is able to take him out is Hawkeye just because it's a range attack was interesting um, and then kind of seeing Karnak imprisoned and uh, kind of being monitored by Hawkeye and then you have a little bit of a history lesson finding out more about the Inhumans and and how the Inhumans kind of were originally created by the Kree, and how, sorry, uh, how Karnak kind of got to uh, escape from what was going on in Adelan, uh, seeing what happens with uh, with Terragenesis, uh, seeing another examination of what really happened when Thanos showed up, uh, from a different perspective, because we've seen it from Maximus's perspective as well as uh, Black Bolt's, but not really from Medusa and the rest of the Inhumans. So it's interesting to see where the different Inhumans were deposited by Randak, the living Inhuman, uh, when um, the uh, the destruction of Adalan took place. Uh, the artwork by Quipel is fantastic. There's a great shot I really liked of uh, Iron Man and Hawkeye, uh, Iron Man standing, Hawkeye sitting down. But it was just the the detail I really liked. And then uh, Iron Man kind of confronting and saying, like, you know, how did Adelan fall? It's interesting that there's, uh, you know, Karnak is very, he's very unsure of what's going, what's going on and how, what may have happened to his king and how his king might have been influenced by Maximus the Mad. Uh, and I, again, I've really enjoyed Maximus for the last little while, ever since he was kind of cured and kind of taken back into the wing of the human royal family and actually being more or less a good guy, although still being crazy, and actually seeing his the way he interacted with his brother was really interesting as well. Um, you know, again, more of a history lesson. You have more of a flashback as to uh, how Adelan, the the hidden cities of Adelan, um, were kind of created, and how there's all these kind of unknown descendants of the Inhumans all throughout the world, and they're kind of being created now, uh, which is interesting. Uh, I enjoy this issue quite a lot. It definitely is leading into what's happening next with the Inhumans. Uh, the Inhumans are the next big property, I guess, that the Marvel really wants to um, develop because they've never really done a lot of work with the Inhumans. I mean, a lot of people don't even know who the Inhumans are. Um, and, yeah, no, it's quite interesting. And I like... Karnak is just so fascinating as a character, and having him start to see the cracks in the fault line and the you know there's a lot of at times i think that 
the faction is not the best writer to be writing this story because it's only, it's it's very again Hickman-esque. But I like the idea that um, you know Karnak has made a mistake and he's he's failed his queen and he sets out to rectify that in a pretty brutal way and it's such a badass moment where he's just putting his his hands and like his nail basically around this this window is able to then puncture it and the whole thing shatters and then he jumps out the window uh and then you know karnak is, appears to be dead although i guess technically it doesn't have to be dead but it sure looks like it um it's a really good one issue focus on karnak it definitely leads in leads into other inhuman inhumanity tie-ins although the cover for the one by uh with Fraction of Bradshaw looks really bad. Uh, if you want to know what ties into the Inhumanity event, you have New Avengers 13.inh. I gotta hate this shit. Uh, Uncanny X Men 15.inh. Um, now, I haven't looked at, at solicitations, but I can't remember. Is it gonna be like 15 and also 15.inh, or is it gonna be just 15 and it happens to have the INH you know, suffix? I'm not really sure. Because that's basically what they did in Age of Ultron. I mean, they had. Uh, AI issues that de- had nothing to do with anything else, uh, or AU, sorry. Uh, you also have Inhumanity, The Awakening, number one, Indestructible Hulk, 17 point INH, Avengers AI, number seven INH, can't believe that book's still around, Mighty Avengers 4 INH, can't believe that's actually more than just an Infinity three issue tie in, and Avengers Assemble, 22 point INH. So that is the, uh, the checklist for Inhumanity at this point in time. Um, I, so I did enjoy the issue. Uh, I gave it an 8 out of 10. Uh, next up is Secret Avengers 12. I feel like I've missed an issue or two, but I still freaking love this book. It's really well done. Um, I love how the characters are written here. Uh, I love the artwork, especially. Um, this is called How to Maim a, Walking, oh, sorry, a Mockingbird by Spencer and Cott, uh, with artwork by Geis. Um, so you have... Uh, Bobby Morris, also known as Mockingbird, is in deep cover for Shield, uh, at, in and trying to kind of bluff her, bluff her way past Ames Council. Uh, now again, I feel like I missed an issue, so I'm not really sure how she got here, uh, but I thought it was pretty interesting, and she's trying to get this extension um, from this this council, and then it looks like she gets outed by uh, Forsen herself, and I'm unsure where that's coming from again because I missed something, but. Uh, it's interesting. You have Hill and Coulson having some interactions, and I really like how Coulson's being written and illustrated here. Um, and having this these these guys from AIM basically turning themselves in, which is interesting as well. And they're trying they want to work with Shield, uh, and there's an interesting uh, discussion. Harry kind of wants to be to be uh, utilized just like Nazi scientists were at the end of World War II. Um, anyways, this is an interesting issue. We're seeing. More about you know Bobby Morris Mockingbird is being um, you know uh, kind of in the prisoner of AIM. Um, we're seeing Taskmasters obviously being manipulated by Shield as well. You have Hawkeye trying to infiltrate this base with Fury and Black Widow, and then they get kind of uh, screwed over by Yelena Belova amongst others, which is interesting. And then it looks like Modok is leading a different AIM faction, which is interesting as well. I do like he shows up with, like, a wine and papers, which is such a weird look, and a, a very different battle harness, uh, which is actually a good look for MODOK. Um, I enjoy this issue quite a lot. Give it a 9 out of 10. And then that brings us into our last two books, which are 
uh, Superior Spider-Man 23 and Superior Spider-Man Team Up number 7. Uh, Superior Spider-Man 23 uh, I think was a little bit of a letdown for me. I was expecting something a little bit better um, than what we ended up getting. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I, was, I thought we were, we were going to get a better issue here. Uh, because Slot's been on a bit of a roll and yet this was a little bit disappointing and um, anyways, let's get into what didn't really work in this issue um, so uh, let's see here uh, I'm sorry just taking me a moment to actually get this issue up and ready to discuss um, it definitely feels like a setting the plate kind of issue um, we're, we're kind of building up to a different storyline so this is the next chapter of Darkest Hours though uh, our work is going to be by Humberto Ramos. It's written by Dan Slott and Christos Gage. Um, you have uh, the Crime Master kind of running out of this war zone between Spider-Man and Venom. Um, it's interesting with Spider-Man not knowing who Venom is and Flash being like, you know, it's me, it's Flash, you know, it's your fan, and Spider-Man kind of being a dick about it because obviously he doesn't remember. Uh, Venom is able to, you know, kind of disappear uh, and get out of this, this this really sticky situation with Spider-Man and Spider-Man's goons. He's able to use his stealth abilities to get out of there. Uh, smoke bombs as well. And then Spider-Man's having to kind of deal with it. He doesn't know where to go. Then you have Anna Maria, uh, you know, kind of interrupting the uh, Spider-Man's kind of hissy fit against the police so he can talk to her. Then you go to the Goblin Underground and you have Menace. And I think... Uh, the, the Phil Uric Goblin and Green Goblin are dealing with Carly Cooper and they have um, the, uh, the the journal that she wrote so there's definitely an idea of what's going on there because obviously in the post um, One More Day era, um, you know, era Norman Osborn didn't know who Peter Parker was anymore so it'd be interesting to see how this is all going to lead into the Goblin Nation storyline then you go to Anna Maria and Peter Parker going to his apartment and seeing his apartment realized that made me realize we haven't really seen a lot of Peter like in his personal life. Um, so it's interesting to kind of see all his tech being there and he's they're getting ready for uh, introducing a formal introduction between Anna Maria and uh, Aunt May. Then you get to a Presbyterian hospital where Flash Thompson is trying to uh, you know soothe himself in the in the, in the symbiote. And uh, he's trying to figure out places he can go to kind of lie low. He will go to MJ's club. It's having a, a big, uh, I guess, reopening. Uh, it's a grand reopening of her club. And she's, you know, got all these guests there. And uh, she meets Captain Yuri Watanabe, who's looking for Carly Cooper. Because obviously she's missing. And the last thing she did was leave a message for MJ, which included avoiding Peter Parker and Obviously, Watanabe doesn't quite know what's going on. She knows what's going on in terms of the investigation that Carl Cooper had been doing, but doesn't really know the connection to Peter Parker. MJ obviously knows more about the Peter Parker's angle, but doesn't really know what Carl Cooper was getting at. So I'm glad that we're slowly seeing some development of this storyline. And then Peter Parker at his apartment with Anna. Uh, he does knock on the door, and it's Flash Thompson. And he obviously doesn't really know who Flash Thompson is, but he's trying to piece it all together. And he, obviously he knows he's Venom, but Flash doesn't realize that he's with Spider-Man now in the office, so it's interesting. And then at Parker Industries, Aunt May is getting the uh, you know the, um, the limb replacement uh, from Cardiac, 
and now she doesn't need to have the uh, the cane and then you go to Alchemax corporate headquarters and it looks like you have um, J. Jonah Jameson wanting you know spider slayers from the city because he's obviously been screwed over by Doc Ock as Spider-Man he knows that he's right that Spider-Man is a menace uh, he's not just a hero he's he's a megalomaniacal you know uh, dick <laughs> uh, so he brings in uh, the top researcher of Alchemax, Tiberius Stone, and his assistant, Michael O'Mara. I'm liking that Michael O'Mara is here. I cannot wait to see, uh, eventually, maybe a, an, another book with Michael, sorry, Miguel, actually as Spider-Man. Uh, I like that he's in this timeline. I just want to see him as Spider-Man. Um, and then you have uh, a, a big uh, a big dinner at uh, Peter Parker's place. You have J. Jonah Jameson Sr., you have Aunt May, and you have Flash Thompson, Anna Maria, and Peter himself, or Spock, whatever you want to call him. And then you have a lot of really inconsiderate things that Aunt May is saying, and I just felt this was ridiculous. Um, part of what makes this issue not work as well, you have a lot of elements kind of vying for attention. You have Aunt May acting extremely out of character. Um, the Flash Peter... Um, discussions don't quite work for me as well, but I do like that you have Doc Ock basically trying to give these robotic limbs to um, to Flash, so he doesn't so he'll have the, regain the use of his legs. But he also, you know, has a has a secret plan to separate the symbiote from uh, Flash, uh, and now Flash no longer has the symbiote attached. Uh, but then the symbiote seems to quickly attach itself to Spider Man to become the superior Venom. Um, Everything happens a little bit too quickly. There's a lot of setup here, but it's there's a lot of plot elements kind of jammed into one giant package. Um, I think this this kind of it's unlike most comics where it feels like you know you get an issue which could have been you know uh, you know half of an issue. Uh, whereas with Superior Spider-Man, you often feel like one issue is like two or three issues, and that's what this issue felt like. There was so much going on that there could have been more room for it to breathe. Um, and again, the Aunt May stuff really pissed me off because I just felt she was acting totally out of character. So I gave it a 7 out of 10. And the last book that we're looking at this week is Superior Spider-Man Team-Up number 7. I gave this a 9 out of 10. This is a fantastic read. Um, I'm really enjoying the Team-Up uh, title. Uh, it kind of closes the book on the whole Superior 6 idea, at least for now. Um, you have... Spider-Man going up against the Sinister Six, or whatever you want to call them, with Sun Girl. Um, it's, I unfortunately don't have much time left for this episode, so I don't have much time to go into it, but uh, it's really, really great artwork. Um, I liked seeing Spider-Man at the mercy of the Sinister Six, uh, the idea that he's kind of underestimated them, uh, and they're, they're a lot more kind of smarter more powerful than he was giving them credit for they didn't need him necessarily and he was discounting the human element which kind of made them more powerful than he realized um but it, it was really well done seeing sun girl used as well was really cool to kind of see just how powerful she can be um seeing spider-man kind of trying to be a hero um but he's not the hero that sun girl wants him to be um it's 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 an interesting perspective and seeing how he takes on his, these these different you know supervillains was quite interesting as well. Uh, I really liked it. I gave it a nine out of ten, and uh, yeah, it was a very solid read. And I'm interested to see what comes next in this title. 
just because Superior Spider-Man Team-Up remains a consistent book. Uh, it looks like the next issue has uh, Namor as a, as a character who's going to be making an appearance, which is uh, an odd team-up, to be to say the least, which is interesting to see, so that would be good. This issue had artwork by Marco Chichetto, Paco, and, sorry, Marco Chichetto and Paco Diaz, who I guess is on inks. And then you have Christopher Yost writing solid, solid book. Uh, let's look at the, all the well, not look at, but let's at least hit the uh, the list of all the issues I didn't get a chance to read. That included Amazing Spider-Man seven hundred point one, Avengers Annual twenty thirteen number one, Batwing twenty six, Cataclysm Ultimates Last Stand number two, Daredevil Dark Knight seven, DC vs. Master of the, of the Universe three, Deadpool twenty, Ferris twenty one, Phantom X Max number three, Fearless Defenders twelve, Green Arrow twenty six, Green Lantern twenty six, Hinterkind number three, Indestructible Hulk Annual number one. Iron Man 19, Longshot Saves Marvel Universe number 3, Looney Tunes 216, Marvel Knights Spider-Man 3, Marvel Knights X-Men 2, Marvel Universe Hulk Agents of Smash number 3, Movement number 7, Painkiller Jane, Price of Freedom number 2, Star-Lord Worlds on the Brink, Stormwatch 26, Swamp Thing 26, Trillium number 5, Trinity of Sin, The Phantom Stranger 14, X-Men Legacy 21, and Young Avengers 13. Um, looking ahead to the uh, the next week's comics or this coming week's comics uh, obviously this episode is going up either late Monday early early Tuesday which is as I said on the last comic book podcast uh, actually early for this podcast so yay for me um, looking ahead to the coming week um, I'm trying to think as I'm pulling up the webpage I'm hoping it's a, a smaller week just because this past week was big although to be honest not a lot of comics are really wanting to read or giving a shot so um, you know as much as there was a lot out I felt like the week previous there was a lot that came out and I didn't get a chance to talk about and I was kind of bummed about but this time not so much um, so let's look at the new releases that are coming out on the 11th of December um, as we're Moving forward in the December month, uh, the title, let's see, DC Comics, their releases include the following. Um, let's see, uh, it'd be nice if I could actually pull up DC Comics. Here we go. Uh, we've got Batgirl 26, which it looks like uh, we're getting to the end of the Bat- Batgirl 1's uh, current story arc. You have another zero-year issue of Batman 26. Uh, you have uh, Forever Evil tie-in and Constantine. You have the DC New 52 Villains Omnibus, so every single Villains issue from the Villains Month is in one giant omnibus. $150, so holy shit, that's expensive. Although, if you go through Amazon or other e-tailers, you can get it for more around 70 to 90 um, in that area. Uh, then you have, let's see, uh, Forever Evil Arkham War number 3 coming out. You have a hardcover of Just Imagine Stanley creating the DC Universe. It's a big hardcover, though. It's retailing for 75 uh, you have Justice League 25, another Forever Evil chapter. It appears to be a, a focus of uh, Nightwing versus Syndicate, which could be really interesting or dangerous for the character, depending on how you look at it. Uh, there's Justice League 3000, number one. I'm interested to see what it's like. Uh, Justice League of America, number 10, which is another Forever Evil tie-in. Uh, you've got the Legends of the Dark Knight 100-page Super Spectacular, number one, coming out. You have Nightwing 26 coming out. Um, you've got another Smallville Season 11 uh, issue, but it's called Alien. Um, you have Suicide Squad 26, another Forever Evil tie-in. Uh, you have uh, two action comics uh, collections coming out. You have 
Volume 3 hardcover, uh, concluding the uh, Grant Morrison run. And then in softcover, you have uh, Volume 2 of the Grant Morrison run. You have the third issue of Superman Wonder Woman and you know, World's Finest 18, as well as a new trade paperback for un, uh, Injustice. Sorry. Uh, looking at Image Comics, uh, you have uh, new issue. Sorry. I was just looking. Uh, you have a new issue of Lazarus coming out as well as Walking Dead. And then moving over to Marvel Comics, you've got A Plus X coming out as it nears its uh, conclusion. You have two issues of Amazing Spider-Man, sub-100.2 and .3. You have the big Avengers 24 point now uh, poster coming out. I'm excited for it to actually start. Uh, you have uh, Avengers AI 7.INH, who cares? Uh, you have the first volume of the Avengers Epic Collection series, which I'm excited for. You have, uh, let's see... A bunch of you know issues of Captain America, Cable and X Force, etc. You have the next hardcover volume of uh, Daredevil by Mark Wade. Uh, you have for those who enjoyed Daniel Way writing Deadpool, you have the uh, second complete collection volume coming out. You have the first complete collection volume of Iron Immortal Iron Fist coming. You have an Inhumanity Awakening number one. Uh, you have a new Marvel Knights miniseries because there's already two on two running. This one time it's a Hulk one. Uh, you've got uh, Mighty Avengers uh, 4.inh. You have the Mini Marvels Complete Collection, which I'm interested in looking at because I have a Mini Marvel Ultimate Collection, and I believe it has the same page count, so I'm wondering why they're reprinting this again. Um, you have Nova 11, uh, which is an Infinity Crossover. You have Superior Foes of Spider-Man number 6. Uh, you have a new uh, new printing of Infinity Abyss, which is the Thanos storyline. You have a, another issue of the Thunderbolts Infinity tie-in. You have Uncanny X-Men 15.INH. And you have another issue of Wolverine and the X-Men 39. Anyways, that is what's coming up next week. Uh, as for this podcast, uh, I do not yet know what episode 126 will bring us. Uh, it's going to be another solo episode, so I'm soliciting ideas from the community of uh, Comic Shanigan's listeners. Uh, obviously, episode tw- 124 was an, an episode that was inspired by uh, listener Danzig, and then episode 122 was inspired by AJ Reese, a uh, friend of the show, or AJ Butters on HG Realms. So uh, keep your uh, you know comments or interest uh, coming. Actually, I was I was mentioning to uh, AJ earlier today on a on a Facebook chat that uh, he's kind of like the unofficial creative consultant for comic shenanigans these days. Because uh, of the uh, the assistance he brings to the show in terms of uh, helpful ideas, advice, etc., which I was, I find I found it to be a, a funny comment that I made, and then he just didn't ever uh, answer back. Uh, anyway, um, for January, so as I said in the last, well, a recent podcast, uh, for the rest of the episodes that are going to be coming out in. December, they're probably going to be solo episodes, although perhaps maybe Kelly Chapman, my wife, will be able to guest on at least one of them. Maybe. Uh, but looking forward to January, um, I was talking with Paul Scores this past weekend. We're looking to do at least two episodes together, if not more. One will be our Infinity uh, wrap-up episode, where we're going to look at every Infinity... Well, not every Infinity time. We're going to look at the Avengers, New Avengers uh, issues that tied into Infinity, as well as the main Infinity event. 
Um, and then we might look at maybe a couple of the Infinity Titans that were there, but that's not going to be our huge focus. It's more on the core Hickman written issues. Uh, also, we're going to be doing a recap of the first year of Superior Spider-Man, kind of talking about what that first year has brought us. Uh, obviously, it's a double-shipping comic. Uh, that means at least 24 issues. Uh, by the time we get the, issue, the episode out, we may have already had issues 25 and 26 come out as well. Um, so that'll be stuff to look forward to in January from Comic Shenanigans. Uh, but as to the near future including episodes 126, 128, and 130, probably will be uh, sole episodes that I'll be doing on my own. Anyways, thank you once again for joining us for uh, a reviews episode of Comic Shenanigans. I am your host, Adam Chapman. Um, I hope that you will join us for the next episode. Uh, again, 126 will be coming out later this week. Uh, if you want to send us a, a message or you know send me a, drop me a line, you can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook. You can uh, message me on HC Realms. My uh, tag is SDMClicks. Uh, you can also post in the HC Realms threads that we put up. Uh, also, please, 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 please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. It's one of the uh, best ways to help grow the show and uh, increase the audience. Uh, if you know someone who likes comic books, uh, you know, point them towards our show. Um, maybe not the reviews episodes because they're not for everyone. I know that, and they can be a little bit dry because it's just me. But if you like the interactions with me and others, uh, you know, there are hopefully episodes coming up which will have me and a guest talking about different comic related things anyways thank you for joining me on this pot this episode of the podcast and we will see you next time with episode 126 i'll see you next time bye bye